Hello and welcome to another episode of Locked on Wolves. What can the Timberwolves do to counter Denver's, what's been fantastic, Denver Nuggets defense for seven of the first eight quarters of the series, what the Wolves must do on offense? Welcome in. You are Locked on Wolves. You are Locked on Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome into the Lockdown Wolves podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked on Wolves. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy weekend and happy Timberwolves game day. We're going to talk all about game three Wolves Nuggets back at Target Center tonight. First of all, though, a big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also watch the show on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. And you can follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and also at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. All right. So the story so far of this series through two games has been Denver dominated the first six quarters and easily won basically seven of the eight quarters, with the exception being quarter three of game two. During the season, the Wolves and Nuggets split four games that they played. There were a lot of injuries on both sides. In fact, Towns, I don't think, played it at all against the Nuggets. Denver had the one game on a back-to-back where they sent only one starter to Minnesota, and the Wolves won that game. There was one game where Denver was mostly full strength. The Wolves were missing some guys. Minnesota won that game. Uh, But it was like the season series, we can't glean a ton from it. And on top of that, on top of that, Denver this season was a pretty mediocre defensive team, basically middle of the pack it, by most defensive metrics. I believe they were, I'm going to pull it up real quick. I believe they were 16th or 17th in uh, in defensive rating. Over at Basketball Reference, they finished 15th in defensive rating while being a top five offense. And Denver has struggled at times defensively in the postseason the last few years, which is why, despite being one of the re- best regular season teams, they've generally struggled in the playoffs. The The bubble season, they did go to the conference finals. I, I don't want to overlook that too much. I mean, considering that's the best ever Timberwolves season in, in Wolves history was going to the conference finals. So clearly, like, uh, we're nitpicking a little bit here. But, but Denver needs to improve defensively in the playoffs as a general rule. They've been great defensively in seven of eight quarters against the Wolves. Now, of course, in quarter three of game two, the Wolves scored 40 points on basically 80% shooting and kind of had their way. But Denver locked back in in the fourth quarter and has really held Minnesota's offense down. Now, I also think it's important to remind, especially anybody that's not a Wolves fan listening or watching this, the Timberwolves were not a good offensive team this year. And I know if you didn't look at the numbers, you would say that's insane. They have Anthony Edwards, they have Carl Anthony Towns. Um... They've got Mike Conley. They used to have D'Angelo Russell. Like, they've got tons of offensive talent. What do you mean? Well, uh, Towns missed 52 games consecutively and, and more than that overall this season. Uh, go The this, the Rudy-Ant pairing never got figured out. Rudy and Cat only played 20-some games together. There's a lot of reasons why this offense didn't look the way that it should have this year. Um, and... So Denver's, while Denver is playing great defensively, they're doing this against a team in Minnesota that finished 23rd in offensive rating, which is, we're going to spend a lot of time this offseason unpacking the Wolves offense and a supposed offensive, you know, genius in Chris Finch and a Wolves team with offensive talent like Anthony Edwards. You could throw in uh, Rudy Gobert 
even if it's a limited run with Carl Thitty Towns, it's not like the offense has been gangbusters with him on the floor. Like how, what gets figured out this offseason? Because it's got to get figured out, right? That's another a conversation for another day. But I wanted to kind of lay that baseline for like, hey, Denver's doing really well defensively. But, you know, unless we're talking a game Timberwolves, a good team should be able to figure out the Wolves offense and stop them at this point in time, given how they played this season offensively. So anyway, I want to talk a little bit about what Denver has been doing um, and the Wolves potential counter. I spent some time on Wednesday leading into game two, actually Tuesday and Wednesday leading into game two, talking about the Wolves substitution patterns. Uh, my suggestion was, hey, the Wolves need to run more pick and roll with Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert, space the floor with Carl Anthony Towns um, and and with Anthony Edwards. And yes, you can run some Anthony Rudy actions, but that synergy has not quite been there. We know that Conley and Gobert have a chemistry. By putting Towns somewhere else and using him as an off-ball catch-and-shoot guy, a cutter, maybe you're running the pick-and-roll action and, and Towns is, you can swing the ball to Towns and he gets a quick single coverage, right? He's not in the post. He's not getting doubled. He can get the ball and then be decisive, which has been another issue for him on and off throughout his career, really. Does he catch and shoot? Does he pump, fake, and drive? Whatever that is, it needs to happen quickly. But by playing him off the ball and away from the primary action, you're giving him that extra split second to make that decision. You're also giving Rudy Gobert the best chance to succeed by running a lot of actions and pick and roll with Cat in the middle of the floor or by posting him up with Rudy on the floor, the spacing gets all jumbled. And that's the concern from day one of this trade that people had. It's one of the concerns people had when the Wolves drafted Walker Kessler in the first place last year was, are you really going to play two seven-footers when one of them, now with Kessler, obviously he could space the floor a little bit, certainly more than Rudy Gobert. But how does this work if... Cat wants to post, but where else is Rudy going to be? He's not going to be on the perimeter. So that means he's in the dunker spot and your spacing's all messed up because they can just help off of Rudy. And that's a really tough angle for Cat to throw a lob to Rudy. And like he's done it a few times, but how many times has the ball been turned over in that in that situation? Even if you're running pick and roll with Cat in the middle of the floor, Rudy's probably in the dunker spot. And now he's rolling right, Cat's rolling right into Rudy. So when those guys are on the floor, your primary actions have to be middle of the floor, go Baron Conley or go Baron Ant with Conley spacing to catch and shoot or Ant spacing to cut or catch and shoot um, or dribble handoffs with Anthony Edwards. We've seen a little bit of success with that in the series with the Wolves running pin downs into dribble handoffs. Um, that's actually worked really well, and I think the Wolves should do more of it. Um, but with Towns out on the perimeter and spacing, that's that's your best spacing you have as a team because without Jaden McDaniels, this team loses a 40% three-point shooter. I, I know that, like, for me, after three years of watching Jaden McDaniels, it's easy to forget because he was a pretty mediocre three-point shooter, especially above the arc for the majority of his first two seasons. But he was 39.8% this year. It was 40% from the perimeter. It's a huge loss. Um, and Conley's been great. But again, if Conley's involved in that action in the middle of the floor and you're swinging the ball, who's it going to? I mean, it's Kyle Anderson. It's Nikhil Alexander-Walker. And it's a you know Torian Prince when he's not in foul trouble, and I want to dig a bit more into that here next. Um, there was actually so I had planned this all out to to talk about this and to kind of revisit what I talked about Tuesday and Wednesday, which which actually by the way the other piece of that um, quick side note was rotation wise to try and get either Jalen Noel or Jordan McLaughlin on the floor more with Carl Anthony Towns. We saw no Jordan McLaughlin minutes, which I also said on Wednesday I was fine with because he's been really bad the last couple of weeks. Just he just has been. Uh, but Jalen Noel didn't play great either. And I'd have to go back. I, I meant to go back and look exactly to see how those minutes lined up with Cat. 
But the point still stands that Noel and Cat together are very good on the floor. So if Rudy's off the floor and Cat's playing the five, that's when Jalen Noel should only get on the floor in that situation. There's no reason to play him with Rudy Gobert. Uh, I don't think that if he's running any offense, I don't trust Jalen Noel's passing enough to get the ball to Rudy successfully. Or And teams also know that Noel would prefer to drive into the mid-range, and then your spacing's all jumbled anyway with Rudy rolling and Noel you know, driving and um, so anyway, if Noel's on the floor, it should be with Cat as the center, period. That's, you know, full stop. Okay, I want to get a little bit more into what Denver specifically is doing defensively and the Wolves' potential counter to that. Um, as I said, I, I planned this all out and I talked a little bit about it Tuesday, Wednesday. And then Zach Lowe at ESPN actually had an article that really, it was it was focused on Denver's defensive approach and it posted either late Thursday or early, early Friday. Um, so go check that out. It's an ESPN Plus Insider article um, but Zach does an awesome job of, of, of breaking down the Nuggets defense. And I, there's a couple points I'm going to make that I'll support with things from his piece. Um, but he, uh, he did a really good job with that, with that article. And it's a good insight into, into, uh, what Denver's doing and, and why it's working against the Wolves. Uh, so go check that out at ESPN and, uh, we'll dive a bit into that more here in just a minute. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends over at Nissan with the all new electric Nissan Aria. Nissan's most electric player of the week is brought to you by the all-new all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. The Timberwolves player of the week, the Nissan Aria player of the week has to be Anthony Edwards. Um, I mean, the last two games, game one and game two, Anthony Edwards has been the Wolves' best all-around player. He's actually played well. I mean, he scored 41, of course, in game two, but he had 18 in game one. So for the series, he's averaging 29.5 points, 4.5 assists per game, while shooting just under 53% for the field and 50% on threes. He's 7 of 14 on three-point attempts so far in the series, averaging seven free throws per game, shooting 86% from the line. Like, like Ant's line has been fantastic. He has been, especially on Wednesday in game two, brilliantly fierce, he has been fiercely elegant, and as he always is, with the ball in his hands going towards the basket, Anthony Edwards has been stunningly powerful, just like the 2023 Nissan Aria. The 2023 Nissan Aria packs pin you to your seat power and premium intelligence all-in-one EV. The all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. The EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. All right, a big thank you again for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. A reminder, every dayers, we will have the live postcast following the game tonight with myself and Marty Gellner for Valley Sports North. That's live on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. And then you can also listen, if you can't watch it live, it will be about 45 minutes after the game, after she does the Valley postgame show on Valley Sports North. Um, so, I don't know, it'll be what, like 11.30, 11.45-ish p.m. likely tonight, if it's not an overtime game. Um that is when we'll go live on Lockdown Sports Minnesota. But if you don't watch it live on this Friday night, you can catch it on the on the audio feed after the fact. So listen to it Saturday over the weekend or whenever. And then we'll do the same thing Sunday. We'll do the live postcast again. And then we'll also have the postgame pod posting early Monday morning after game four. So tons of content still coming up this weekend. Make sure you're following and subscribe to both Lockdown, or Lockdown Wolves and also Lockdown Sports Minnesota on YouTube as well. All right. Um, digging a bit more into Denver. Um, and, and again, Zach Lowe talked about this. It broke, broke it down in detail in his article over at ESPN.com on his insider article, but he talked a little bit about how Denver during the season, Jokic kind of plays a bit of no man's land and pick and roll game, but in a good way, he basically plays at the level of the ball screen. A lot of teams drop like the wolves drop with Rudy Gobert. Uh, they dropped for years with Carl Anthony Towns. It did not work. Um, 
which of course was different than the Tom Thibodeau scheme of icing the pick and roll. But Towns would drop, teams would score against the Wolves in bunches. After the coaching staff changed, they started last season with the personnel they had. The Wolves blitzed the pick and roll a lot. They they tried to essentially trap the ball in the perimeter. Jared Vanderbilt was very good at this. Um, you know, Ant and others were so good off the ball. Patrick Beverly getting steals off the ball that you could just kind of play this breakneck pressure defense. And the only teams that could really beat it were the really well coached teams. Uh, and then also, a te- you know, as the season wore on, teams kind of caught up to like, hey, here's what the Wolves were doing. We can hit this skip pass. We can, you know, swing the ball quickly, get a back cut and score on this defense. This season with the personnel the Wolves have, Rudy Gobert can't play a blitzing defense. He can't switch all the time. So playing drop with Rudy Gobert makes sense and keeping Carl Thitty Towns out of as many pick and roll actions as possible uh, when when Rudy's on the floor. So when Towns is on the floor, the Wolves will switch a little bit more. They will still play some drop. But when Rudy's on the floor, they almost exclusively play drop. The Nuggets don't drop Jokic entirely because he doesn't have the length of, say, Rudy Gobert to contest mid-range jumpers to recover. And he's also not a good rim protector. So he also can't blitz and he can't switch because he's not uh, quick enough laterally. He doesn't have the length to be effective on a switch like that. Um, so the the trick with Jokic is trying to kind of have it both ways, where he basically plays at the level of the screen. He tries to you know muddy things up and then recover to his man. That doesn't always work against the Wolves because Anthony Edwards is so dynamic, he could turn a corner if it's him involved in the action. You also don't want, if you're Denver, you don't want Jokic switched on to Anthony Edwards. So Denver's actually switched up their coverage quite a bit in this series. Depending on who's on the floor, they've done different things. And one of the key things goes back to the point I made at the end of the last segment, which is the Wolves' lack of shooters has allowed the Timberwolves, or excuse me, allowed the Nuggets to be able to overhelp and essentially guard the other three players that aren't involved in the action with two, or really if you if you cut the screener slash roller, you're guarding four with three and committing two to the ball. So when it's Anthony Edwards, you're committing two to the ball. You're telling your other three defenders to guard Rudy plus the other three wolves on the floor. I mean, Rudy's a really good roller. And when he's diving to the rim, you have to account for him if you're Denver. And so somebody has to be checking Rudy. That leaves two to guard three on the perimeter. Um not including the ball handlers. So say it's Mike Conley involved in the action. That means you're guarding Anthony Edwards. You're guarding, you know, uh, in game one to kill Alexander Walker started. And, you know, uh, I guess Carl Tiddy Towns would be the other one. Uh, so you can overhelp to Towns and Edwards and leave the non-shooter open. So in that case, it was Nikhil Alexander-Walker. It becomes harder when you have better shooters on the floor. So Torian Prince started game two, got into a ton of foul trouble, but he knocked down what, three or four threes in that game? What did he have? He had three threes in 18 minutes. Torian Prince did. Scored 12 points, but he had five fouls, so he only played 18 minutes. I think Prince should start game three, and I think the Wolves should be, their film study should show them, hey, here's what Denver's doing when Alexander Walker's on the floor. Let's bait, let's dare them to do that with Prince on the floor. We can, in a, in a sense, you are almost baiting them, and then hit that skip pass to Prince or a quick bang, bang, swing the ball to Prince in the corner or on the, in the slot, and get him an open three. Praetorian Prince is a better shooter than Nikhil Alexander-Walker. For the season, Prince was 38%. He's around that for his career. He's been over 40% a couple times. He can get hot, as we saw in his you know 30-plus point game against the Knicks a few weeks ago. And frankly, even in, in game two, before he was in foul trouble, Prince is going to be key to knocking down those open shots. And Alexander-Walker, if he can hit enough to be effective, remember how well he shot the ball over those first few games when he was in the Wolves rotation. Uh, now, he's only 36% for in a Wolves uniform for the season. And Nikhil Alexander-Walker for his career 
is 34%. He was 38% overall between Utah and Minnesota this season. But coming into this year, he was like 33% for his career. So Denver is totally fine with leaving Alexander Walker open. He's just got to hit a couple to keep them honest. They're also fine with leaving uh, Kyle Anderson open, which is interesting because Kyle Anderson did shoot 41% from three this year, but it was also by far a career high. He's a career 34.5% three-point shooter. He was 33% last year for Memphis. So yeah, Anderson was great from three this year, but Denver's playing the the long game here in terms of percentages and saying, you know what, slow-mo is not going to hit more than a couple threes in a game against us. We'd much rather commit two uh, or commit three to the Conley-Gobert or the Conley-Towns or the Ant-Gobert action and worry about whoever's not involved in the actions. Call it Towns and, and, and Conley on the perimeter if Ant and Rudy are in the action. We'd rather commit to those guys and leave that fifth guy mostly open and catch up to him on the rotation if we need to. The Wolves have burned them a couple times with this. And and Denver was not crisp in the third quarter of game two, and the Wolves burned them in a lot of different ways. But if that's how Denver is going to play it, the Wolves have to make them pay. And again, that means it's got to be Torian Prince. And Jalen Wells' limited minutes, um, it's got to be him. He's got to make his open threes. And he struggled to make three-pointers this season. He was good last year. Um, after struggling the first couple years in his career. But Jalen Wall was 29% on threes this year. Now, I think he's better than that. I think he dealt with the D issue um, and just had a terrible start to the season. But Denver's still okay leaving Jalen Wall open because he shot 29% from three this season. Uh, so whoever that is, whoever that fifth person on the floor is, the Wolves have to find them, make a crisp pass, and they have to make Denver pay. Otherwise, I don't know how you're going to beat this coverage against Denver because to this point, they've muddied things up enough that unless Ant can get a step on Jokic or if Jokic doesn't play that perfectly and get and Ant can get downhill, you've got to find that open shooter. And then that open shooter has to make them pay. Now, with Towns, uh, well, we'll talk about that here next, actually. I want to talk a little bit about, about Towns specifically and how to kind of reactivate him um, to, 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 to hopefully he could do what he did in the first three quarters against the Lakers in the first playing game last week and for stretches against the Thunder as well. Uh, so I want to talk specifically about Towns next, but the overall most important piece to the Wolves offense right now, besides Ant being Ant, which he was for a good chunk of game two and actually a fair amount of game one as well, Ant needs to be Ant. But the Wolves also have to find whoever it is that the Nuggets are playing off of, and that person has to make the shot. And it's on Chris Finch to make sure that it's mostly Torian Prince, a little bit of Jalen Noel, a little bit of Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and probably not any Jordan McLaughlin, frankly, because he was 30% for three this year and has really struggled lately on both ends of the floor. So it's the depth that was so good during the season with no Jaden McDaniels and no Nas Reed. Um it's not there anymore. Like the depth just isn't there. And and in the playoffs, you really only should have seven or eight guys that are playing heavy minutes anyway. Um, so we'll see how Finch plays this rotation wise, but it's imperative that they hit that skip pass or hit the quick swing to the other side of the floor and that they're, you know, either getting that open shot, attacking a closeout, whatever that is. Um, that space is so, so important to the Wolves doing anything successfully on offense. All right. I want to close by talking a little bit about Carl Anthony Towns and, uh, and then it's game time. Game time. Game three tonight. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends at eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. 
Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know that the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, Carl Anthony Towns in this series. Uh, you probably don't need me to tell you how much he struggled, but he has struggled. He was so good against the Lakers last week. He was good against the Thunder on Friday. And then game one on Sunday against Denver, he shoots 5 of 15, 11 points, 10 rebounds, 4 turnovers. Game two on Wednesday, he shoots, he scores 10 points on 3 of 12, has 10 boards and 5 turnovers. So overall, over the two games... We did Anceline earlier as part of the, the Nissan Aria player of the week. Towns is averaging 10.5 points and 11 rebounds. He's shooting under 30% from the field, 29.6% from the field, 25% from three. He's attempted two free throws per game, four total free throws. He's turned it over four and a half times per game. It's been a really bad two-game stretch for Carlton Towns. He's got to wake up at some point. Um, and the Wolves have to help get him in the right position to succeed. I talked a little bit about this the other day. But they can't post Carl Thitty Towns up, not on the low block against Denver. Denver's too intelligent of a defense. Jokic is too good slash savvy of a post defender. Well, well, we talked earlier about how Jokic can't rim protect. He can't play in space. You don't want to switch on switch with him if you're Denver. That doesn't change the fact that Jokic is a solid post defender. He's also, and this was something Marnie and I talked about on the postcast after Wednesday's game. I think I talked about it on the postgame pod Thursday too. Towns versus Jokic head to head is just bad from a from a um, a mental standpoint, really, for Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, the stray voltage that Chris Finch has talked about in the past with Towns, where he gets he starts flailing and complaining to the officials and and you know trying to move too quickly and draw fouls and his arms get everywhere and he gets he hooks guys and he's throwing elbows and it's that thing gets accelerated. It's more likely to happen when a player like Jokic who does get under people's skin. And a team like Denver, I mean, Michael Malone has said this in, in the media, like their plan um, against Carl Anthony Towns is to be physical and get under his skin because that is the only way you can slow him down offensively unless he's just having a bad shooting night. I thought game one, it was more of that. I thought Towns got more clean looks and he just missed shots and he had a couple of really bad passes in there. Wednesday was that plus Denver was more physical with him and the Wolves tried to force the issue a little bit too much at times. I think the answer with, with Towns excuse me, is to get him, well, like I said earlier, space him. And I know that sounds like, oh, you don't want to take your max guy, your all-NBA big, and just you know put him in a Bogdanovich role, stick him in the corner. Yeah, except for he's going to shoot 40% from three. And if teams are closing out on towns, his pump fake and drive, like if you have, even if it's Aaron Gordon, but insert other Denver defender here, Towns is going to have either the size advantage or the quickness advantage. If it's Jokic coming out to the perimeter to guard him, Towns can pump fake and drive past him as long as he's not hooking, right? Which he he tends to do sometimes. If it's a, a smaller defender, I know that Towns struggles to back down smaller defenders without drawing offensive fouls, but he could do that against, um, you know, a, a, a Bruce Brown or, uh, I don't know, Catavius Caldwell-Pope isn't going to be matched up on him ideally if you're Denver, but on switches and rotations, like if he has a mismatch like that, he has to go after it. We've seen him shy away from doing that a couple of times already in this series. And we've seen this in the past where Towns doesn't demand the ball with a mismatch. Um, even if it's on the perimeter, like if he's facing up against a smaller player, just shoot over them. 
just shoot over them. Or if Denver brings a bigger player, you can pump fake and drive. Um, it really isn't that complicated. And yet somehow the Wolves and Towns have made it super complicated to just get him the ball in advantageous spots on the floor. I don't like him in the low post against Denver. I do think you could give him the ball. And the mid post wasn't really working, especially in game one either. I think you could probably find, you know, maybe get him the ball at the elbow. And the Wolves haven't done a ton of that. They haven't ran nearly as much horns lately. Um, but to get him the ball at the elbow and have him go to work, something like that um, has to happen for the Wolves to uh, to get him going. Last year, um, in, in the first round series against Memphis, Town, it, the, remember the Wolves won game one and Towns was fantastic. He had 29 points. Uh, hit a couple of big threes at 13 boards. He struggled in the game two blowout loss and in the game three home loss. The Wolves were down two games to one and then narrowly won game four at home to force five game five back in Memphis. And well, I guess they would have had a game five either way, but to to even the series going back to Memphis and Cat was phenomenal in that game too. So the two wins the Wolves got against Memphis last year, Towns averaged 29 and 13, or he had 29 and 13 in the game one win. He had 33 and 14 in the game four win. In that game, he got to the line 17 times against Memphis. Now, Denver's better at defending without fouling than Memphis was last year, um, but the Wolves ran a ton of stuff through Towns. Towns also last season in that playoff series, over the course of six games, Carl Anthony Towns averaged four and a half turnovers. He turned the ball over a ton, but it was a little less noticeable because other than the game three stinker, he was generally really good in that series. Um, he wasn't great in the elimination game, game six, but... He was generally good, and he had a couple of really big games in those two Timberwolves wins. So the Wolves need to do more of that. Run this stuff through Cat with Rudy off the floor. 100% of the offense should go through Carl Anthony Towns when Rudy Gobert is off the floor. When Rudy's on the floor, space Towns, get him some open looks from three. When Denver scrambles, when they run at him late, he can pump fake and drive, get Denver into foul trouble, take advantage of if and when you get into the bonus, and get Cat going that way. Uh, that has to be what Minnesota does here in game three. It's obviously goes without saying it's a must win game. You can't go down three Oh, if you win, you have a real chance on Sunday to even the series going back to Denver and put all the pressure back on the number one seed. And that's at this point, the best case scenario, what we have to hope for. Um, so it's all about what the wolves do offensively. And, and I know by saying that, of course, now the wolves will probably play a miserable defensive game on Friday, but in general, I think they've been okay on defense. I know Denver scored one twenty two. I know this, Shot fifty four percent for the field, but that goes back to it was a it was a flamethrower versus flamethrower late Jamal Murray versus Anthony Edwards. In general, it was the transition defense early in the game that set Denver up with sixty four points by halftime. Transition defense has been an issue all season for Minnesota. The half court defense for the Timberwolves was okay in both of the first two games, and I, I really I believe that if you could do what they did defensively for most of the first two games in the half court, um, and just just figure a couple things out on offense, which is sounds so much easier said than done. But again, it's really not that complicated. Denver changing their schemes, doing what they're doing with, with Joker, that makes it difficult. But the Wolves now have two games of film on what Denver's doing. They're back home Friday night. Can Chris Finch and the Wolves figure this out offensively uh, and, and you know put, a, put together a good offensive game, get Carl Anthony Towns going? That's the big question on Friday. 
All right. Reminder, we'll go live after the game, the live postcast on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. Subscribe over there to be notified when Marnie Gellner and I go live. And then you can also listen after the fact on Lockdown Wolves, wherever you listen to podcasts. A big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and at B Beacon. With two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. A big thank you again for making us your first listen every day. Again, a reminder for the postcast tonight, postcast Sunday after game four, win or lose, and then also the postgame pod on Monday. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.